Bucket Problem, episode 44. I am your host, Ace Ambender, and we are, as always, presented by Homefield Apparel and PointsBet, and we are a proud member of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We've got the full crew today. Uh, it's It's been a little while, but uh, Alex, Connor, and Dan are all joining me. Um, instead of doing the uh, <clears throat> how you all doing one at a time, we got a lot to cover, so... Um, I'll ask you guys how you're doing as we uh, as we do our big moods, starting with uh, Alex. You have my favorite one. So first of all, welcome back, man. How are you doing? And second of all, what's your big mood? I'm doing well. Um, birds are chirping. Trees are starting to bloom a little bit. And uh, it's NBA playoffs time. I remember mm-hmm. the, the first podcast that I did was with you when we were working for MGO blog and we covered the NBA playoffs back then. And I, it's a great time on the sports calendar for sure. Um, I've really enjoyed watching. I think Milwaukee versus Boston is a great series. I think um, Golden State versus Memphis is a great series. I'm, I'm looking forward to Golden State potentially playing Phoenix and Devin Booker who, who I'm pulling for, but yeah, I love seeing Jordan Poole play well for the Warriors. It gives me yes. a reason to actually root for them now. And he has emerged as the third Splash Brother. He's about to become an extremely rich man, just like his former teammate, Duncan Robinson, and who's not playing for the Heat. I was about to say, let's not talk about how much Duncan <laughs> yeah. Robinson's getting yeah. playing time hey. right now, but... Duncan oh, Robinson's wow. making great money to stand on the sidelines. Phenomenal money. He pulled down so. a rebound in garbage time last night. Uh, yeah. I was. Yeah, watching I don't know what you guys are talking about. That I, I, I think that they canceled that series. Actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, Dan. That's mm, brutal. That was. But rough. yeah, Jordan Poole. I remember when we were working uh, for MGO Blog together, Ace. After Jordan Poole's freshman season, where he was like a promising bench player who hit that huge shot against Houston, you were like, "This dude's going to be an All American. He's so good. He's going to be an awesome player." And he was a good starter on a really good team. Like I feel like he wasn't you know, necessarily exceptional, but if anything, you kind of undershot the target because he's a <laughs> really awesome NBA player now. And I, I mean, he still has a ways to go. Like at the end of the last game against Memphis, um, John Morant was p- picking on him pretty brutally uh, toward the end of that game. And that's kind of what happens in NBA playoff games when you get to the nitty gritty, but Jordan Poole has been great. I've really enjoyed watching him play. And yeah, I got to give your, give you your props for a great take. Thank you. That's uh, I think that's my number one take uh, of, you know, 15 years of takesmanship is is Jordan Poole um, being. And like you said, I think I under, I might have actually undershot it, but I thought he was going to be good and I thought he was worth being first round pick and seeing him uh, ball out in the league uh, is a whole lot of fun. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, you got to give a lot of credit to the Warriors for seeing his potential and kind of working him into the system by playing him in the G League for a while. And they just, you know, with everybody healthy, they're they're a really great team. I would say they're probably one of the front runners for the title. And yeah, the Steve Kerr, Draymond Green brain trust um, and just the system with, you know, shooters and movement and, you know, the space to kind of show off his deep bag of tricks. It's It's really fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, if you haven't tuned into a Warriors game yet, um, I'd suggest you rectify that. Uh, yep. Connor, um, welcome back to you too. How you doing? And uh, what is your big move? I'm doing great. Never better. Um, 
did a lot of travel recently. Not going to say course. where. That's all details. You know, who who really needs to know, right? Um, but uh, my big mood is I listen. I want to start by saying I respect all of my colleagues, Dan in particular, because uh, some here may not know this, but Dan and I actually podcasted together before I ever appeared on a podcast with Ace or Alex, uh, back in the days of the Staus cast, <laughs> which <laughs> probably still exists somewhere, if you're curious. Um, so yeah, I have Ace, v- Ace vetoed that name for this podcast um, <laughs> when we first started. I thought it was yeah. good. Uh, yeah, no one liked it. There, there was a brief uh, like lockout situation with this podcast before it launched. You guys, that's, that's getting deeper into the lore. But um, anyway, so I respect Dan. I really do. But um, I, I, and I respect like the time he has put into like doing spreadsheets of like who plays guard for Illinois. I mean, that's like a deeply deranged thing to do, but I'm glad someone is doing it. Um, it's, it seems it's like you're enjoyable. about to not respect. What I'm <laughs> <laughs> it's but been enjoyable. I'm sensing in this coming. <laughs> But here's the thing, all right? I personally, in my takes, and this will become apparent later in this episode, but I personally am not going to bow to Big Spreadsheet in my takes, even as this podcast becomes ever more rigorous, ever more empirical, and some would say, therefore, more insightful. I'm going to stick to (laughs) vibes. I'm going to stick to homerism. I'm just going to tell you guys what I feel like is going to happen in the future. And here's the thing. You guys can tell me that I'm wrong, that I'm doing bad analysis, all of that. But to transition from what Ace said, my best ever take was last year, I think I was maybe the most optimistic like <laughs> analyst of Michigan football. And I wasn't exactly right because I wasn't optimistic enough. But I did, you know, I'd say that that was borne out uh, more than the most pessimistic takes. And I did win our picks, I'll remind you guys, over college football season. So, five Mostly by five space analysis. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. That's my point, though. Yes. Right? Like, no, so, no sometimes analysis. homerism is good that, that we're establishing yeah. this right here. And so like, while I salute your guys' attempts to be more neutral and to be more objective and to be more empirical, I am going to plant my flag as, you know, the vibes guy, which I've been for a long time. And I'm going to keep flying that banner proudly. Uh, and we'll get into some details about that later, but that's my, that's my big mood for this. Week. I, I do want to say one thing here. This podcast may uh, on occasion get more empirical and data driven but it will never be more insightful. Yeah, no, these, <laughs> these, here's the thing. It's like as many stats as I can, like I, I'm trying my best to be right about, I'm going to do position previews for every position uh, in the big 10 this year. And my goal is to be right about exactly one thing uh, going into the season, but it's not going to happen. I'm using as much data as I could possibly uh, conglomerate into these spreadsheets, and that's not going to change how wrong we are um, about all of our. Hey, things, don't so. say we. These are your spreadsheets, sir. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm not right, owning well, Talia Tonga Vailoa. <laughs> yeah, me neither. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, no, go ahead. Whatever. It's look, Talia Tonga Vailoa is Maryland's going to be good this year. We're we're I'm putting it out there right now. <laughs> Oh man, uh, I would accept Maryland will be better than Michigan State this year. That one I would I would ride with, uh, but I I do not equate that with good. Um, <laughs> Dan, I actually get to kick it right back to you. Um, we you've, we've talked too much lately, so just you know we'll skip the how you doing. Uh, what's your big mood? <laughs> yeah, I, this is this is BS, dude. Like I I'm, I'm getting way less attention on this podcast than <laughs> I usually get. I was having to split it four ways. Um, yeah, my, my big mood is that uh, I think the transfer portal um, kind of stinks. Uh, I, I'm i not necessarily saying that because uh, because it's hurt Michigan recently with, you know, the departure of Frankie Collins. 
Um, and I, I think overall, I'll clarify in saying like, it is a net positive that players have more mobility and more freedom. Like coaches can go wherever they want at any time. Players should absolutely be able to do the same thing. So I'm a hundred percent and I'm a hundred percent in favor of like, given the current state of the NCAA and like, you know, college football, college basketball players getting, you know, more or less bought away, um, uh, for, you know, by other teams, because, you know, if they're, if they're not getting paid their fair market value, they should get that fair market value somewhere else. Um, so all those things like in a vacuum are fine. Uh, I'm just more talking about like my experience as a fan. I think it kind of stinks that Jordan Addison, um, who won the Blitnikoff last year and, at Pitt and is like a program hero, um, can just kind of get bought away by USC, you know, by like a $3 million NIL deal or whatever the reports are. Um, I, I like I understand that he's got a right to do that, and I don't I don't begrudge him for doing that. I don't begrudge USC for doing that, and I don't begrudge Pitt fans for for being mad about it. Um, but I just think it it it's just like not it doesn't feel great, you know. I, I I wish that I wish that there we lived in a world that he could stay at Pitt and get paid just as much. Um, and I feel like there needs to be some sort of regulations around NIL. But uh, on that same token, like, you know, the NCAA had years to come up with a, a reasonable way to put this together that wouldn't be, you know, a total farce. And, 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 and they basically chose to, uh, you know, completely be in denial the entire time and pretend that players were never, ever going to get paid. And that clearly wasn't the case. So I don't this is not me saying like, oh, you know, like. I'm going to stop watching college football or like listen to what sports become because I'm not, I'm absolutely not. Yeah. Like I just, it it just, I think in a vacuum, the situation with Jordan Addison and some of the other things that have been going on um, in, you know, the, the NIL era are just kind of stinky and feel bad as a fan. What's funny, I think is that we are like all of these papering over like the core problem of the NCAA, which is that they refuse to acknowledge that these players are employees. Uh, all these things that paper it over just do more to reveal the core problem. Like Jordan Addison would not leave if he were an employee because employees uh, are often under contract and have certain terms. And like, it would be, you know, like how it works in professional sports. Um, so, uh, so many of these coaches are complaining endlessly about transfer portal stuff and saying that it is like the root of all that is wrong with college athletics right now, when it is very much a byproduct of the thing that is actually wrong with college athletics. And if they weren't acting out of the, the interest of preserving their ridiculously inflated salaries, they would probably mention that there's a, a pretty obvious solution to all of this. Yeah. And I think um, in terms of the fan experience, it's bad, but I think the transfer portal is actually destabilizing college basketball to a degree that frankly, isn't sustainable and just has a ton of difficult downstream effects on mid-major programs, high school recruits. Um, 10 years ago, John Calipari kind of pioneered the model of recruiting a bunch of one and done kids and trying to turn over the roster every season. It's kind of funny that he has a a national player of the year coming back next year (laughs) um, because every other program in the country has to replace half their roster or more every season indefinitely now. Um, You know, it's, it's good for the players that they have the agency to leave a toxic situation if they need to, but yeah, to your point, Ace, 
the NCAA could do more to stabilize the situation. And to the point that Dan was making, they kind of buried their head in the sand for a long time and were totally blindsided by Supreme Court decision to allow NIL basically. Beautifully, and, beautifully blindsided. <laughs> yeah. They were too busy just cashing checks and meeting in hotel conference rooms near airports um, to really do anything about the problem. Uh, well, I mean, the whole, the whole purpose of the NCAA is to not address the problem. That's why they exist. Right. They would not exist if this problem were gone. So, I mean, I get why the NCAA isn't doing anything. The The solution is going to come from elsewhere. And at this point, most likely Congress, although in this world. Oh, yeah, that's knows. yeah, that's 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 good. I would say like, uh, you know. If there's one one uh, governing body that I think can make the situation <laughs> way fucking better, you know, I tried it's... to hand wave that away right after I said it. And Dan yeah, had to absolutely. Jump all over it. Thank no, you. I think it's. I think it'll be really good. I think it's. I think we can come. It's gonna be great. Some... Yeah. I mean, even if Congress messes it up, guys, the Supreme Court will fix it. So oh, I'm not too worried. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> we did. We've got a lot of sick institutions in this country that mm. are just really good at what their what their stated purpose. <laughs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> speaking of institutions that aren't good at their stated pur- uh, purpose, um, I don't know. Do you want to talk about college basketball and and what's going on? I, with, I, I um... do need to slip my big mood in real quick. Oh, I, I'm uh, so sorry. Well, yeah, you're going okay. to be talking. I, I usually slip you. I, I usually skip you guys on accident. So no, you're uh, going to be turn, talking turn about, about fair play. You're going to be talking about an institution that has its own problems as well. <laughs> yes. Uh, speaking of failed institutions, uh, my big mood is that uh, one good thing about uh, Major League Baseball being nearly impossible to watch if you uh, do not have cable or your parents cable login uh, is that um, WNBA League Pass is a really easy purchase for me. Uh, it's, I think, $25, $24.99 uh, to watch literally every game that's not in your market. Um, and I happen to live somewhere that is not a WNBA market, uh, rest in peace, Detroit shock, please come back. Um, so, uh, I will be tuning in to, uh, every Atlanta dream game that I can because they have Nas Hellman and, uh, I'll get to more on this later, but, uh, she's a second round pick who has actually made a roster, which is a rarity in the WNBA. And, uh, yeah. I I don't need to watch Major League Baseball because I have WNBA League Pass now, and that is both significantly cheaper than uh, watching baseball, and uh, unless I want to take a nap, uh, much better viewing. So uh, I feel like I'm coming out ahead here, and I would I would just like to thank uh, Bali Sports and uh, everybody else who's uh, made this situation possible. Um, now we can talk about um, more transfer portal stuff. Uh, Alex, do you want to go over the uh, latest machinations in uh, Michigan men's basketball? Yeah, so since the end of last season, we've gotten a much clearer picture of what the roster is going to look like for next year. Um, Hunter Dickinson is back. That's the biggest news. I think you can pretty much expect him to be a first-team all-conference player and the, the bedrock of this team. We swapped out the point guard that we thought we were going to have by accepting transfer Jalen Llewellyn from Princeton and losing Frankie Collins to the transfer portal. Um, Frankie wound up at Arizona state, which was an absolute train wreck last season. So (laughs) I think they're going to be trying to turn over the entire roster (laughs) there as well. Um, And then, yeah. So 
beyond that, uh, Caleb Houston and Musa Diabate entered the NBA draft with the opportunity to come back. Diabate is going to the combine personally of the opinion that he is not going to be coming back to Michigan. I don't, I don't say that as somebody who capital K knows things, but um, that's my opinion. It seems like a fair gut feeling. Yeah. And I think Houston really could go either way. Uh, I mean, I don't think he's draftable right now. Uh, I think he could get a two way deal and just get his, you know, clock started as a pro athlete. There are a surprising number of NBA guys to me who like think he at least can sneak into the back half of the second round. Um, it'd almost be better for him, I think, to not get drafted in terms of being able to pick a spot where he can make a roster. But I wouldn't be shocked if Houston stays in and gets picked, although I wouldn't be shocked by much of anything that happens with him. Yeah, and it's worth noting that he was widely expected to be a top 10 pick coming into the year. So I think there's a little bit of inertia baked in there. And you see guys who have that kind of profile where they aren't what people expect that they're going to be as freshmen and college they're thinking like okay well before my stock falls further potentially i gotta go to the pros a a guy like um oh man from north carolina Nas, i forget his last name this was a couple couple years ago um wow but uh he was sixth man i'm also forgetting his yeah i'm forgetting his name maybe we can we can have uh somebody on the research team look that (laughs) up but uh anyways he was a lot more athletic than caleb houston is my point and a lot of those guys do tend to be more athletic and do tend to get drafted in the second round for that reason even if they are high five stars that don't really pan out in college so we'll see but i think that one could go either way yeah and uh by the same token nba teams often see these guys nazir little by the way um god that's worse because that's yeah thank you for that yeah he really hasn't done a whole lot with the trailblazers since he was drafted toward the end of the first round yeah oh and that wasn't the team that made the national title game so less of a reason to remember i mean if you can't get on the court with like this year's trailblazers man that's uh that's a grim situation to be that, in. That was a very active tank after uh, <laughs> it went down. Extremely active. Uh, what I was going to say is that NBA teams uh, often when like you have a guy like Houston who was a five-star recruit, had a down year, they still see that. They still look at it like, well, we can unlock that five-star recruit. And uh, especially when you're getting down in the uh, you know second round where anybody's going to be kind of a long shot to contribute, uh, NBA teams will gamble on the upside whether it's real or perceived um yeah and i mean he has great size for a shooter so i get yes. the the idea that teams are potentially going to talk themselves into um you know watching him for a whole season at michigan again it's my opinion that i don't i don't think he would go in the you know 60 picks of the nba draft but you never know i think what's interesting at least in terms of how it relates to michigan is that the roster can afford both of those guys to leave potentially without too much of a drop-off just because of the depth on the wing. You have Jet Howard coming in six, seven might be able to play the two, but I think maybe more of a natural three. And then Terrence Williams, he stuck around this off season um, despite being stuck behind Houston last year. I think he's a pretty natural power forward that has good chemistry with Dickinson And at least in terms of like the roster construction around Dickinson, having a guy like Williams, who's really a floor spacer and a stretch four who can move the ball well, 
compared to Musa Diabate, who was more of a, you know, interior minded big on offense um, might be a little bit better fit there, but yeah, I, I think Michigan would like both of those guys to come back, obviously kind of goes without saying, but <laughs> even if they go, you know, it's not the end of the world necessarily for next year. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, even though I believe Diabate is a significantly better NBA prospect, maybe not significantly, but a better NBA prospect, a, would you agree with me that actually getting Houston back might be more beneficial to this team just in terms of having that wing shooting size on the wing and letting Williams play the four next to Dickinson? Yeah, I think just because Dickinson returns that that is true and you do want Houston shooting more than Diabate's interior presence. Wasn't much of a rim protector anyways, but you look at the backup big situation with Terrace Reed coming in, he's probably the best recruit in the class or up there with Jeff Howard. So I, the big man situation is fine. Even without Diabate, I think the wing starts to get spread a little thin if Houston leaves and Mm -hmm. Houston is a guy who could really make a leap as a sophomore too. Like, I think he does have, you know, quite a bit of upside, at least in terms of how it relates to the college level. You know, I think it'll be a little bit different being guarded by NBA wings versus like say Northwestern's wing. Um, but we'll see. I, I think Houston coming back would be big for this team. I think, you know, essentially trading uh, Collins for Llewellyn makes me a little bit more confident in this team's floor mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, having somebody who's, you know, who an established, <laughs> yeah, and like an established guy who can play point guard at a high level in college. Like yeah. Michigan's had up transfers at point guard for a few years now. I don't know if that's necessarily ideal still uh but you know Collins Collins had a rough freshman year frankly and he has potential and I think he you know showed a little bit toward the end of last season but you know that at, at least in terms of how people were perceiving Michigan heading into next year I think people may have placed a little bit too much emphasis on that Colorado State game where Frankie mm-hmm. looked really good you look at the box scores for the rest of the season I mean he really struggled to shoot and he was yeah, a significantly turned it worse over a lot. as a freshman than Xavier Simpson was. And if you look at player, I, I mentioned this in uh, one of my newsletters this week. I'm not trying to like bash the kid going out, but just in terms of like where people's expectations were for him, people with his shooting profile at point guard, just it's really, really difficult to work out. It, it's like you're either Jamari Wheeler or you transfer down. And he didn't transfer down, but he did transfer to a situation with an easier path to playing time. Yeah, easier path to playing time, potentially better NIL, which is definitely a factor in pretty much every college basketball player's decision, whether to stay or leave wherever they're at. I do think his transfer really stresses Michigan's guard depth. We're going to need Doug McDaniel to play well next year. And he's a smaller point guard, better shooter than Collins not quite the the athlete um and then Kobe Bufkin playing the two he has a great path to playing time with Llewellyn at the one so Kobe Bufkin you know another pretty well-regarded recruit coming out of high school uh in and out of the rotation a little bit had a ways to go as a defender but you know bouncy two guard swingman type who can't shoot it and you know he's potentially in line for 30 minutes a game next season I think 
Michigan would like it if Howard, if Jack could play a little bit on the ball um, in the backcourt, but I don't know what that's going to look like. I mean, it's if kinda... not, they're probably going to have to bring in another trans. I, I don't think they're done in the portal, right? No, no, I don't think so either. And like losing out on Ter- uh, Terrence Shannon, that really stinks. That whole situation is just a major yeah, we bummer. We talked about that length last week. But yeah, that's I don't want to get into it, but definitely bears mentioning when you talk about yes. what this team's going to look like next year. Although, that lets you know what they want in the portal, most likely, is right. a wing who can shoot and defend. Uh, I mean, everybody wants one of those, but um, Shannon actually fit that profile. Uh, so somebody who can conceivably play the two, um, but maybe also the three a little bit, help out there and uh, provide some shooting would be really nice for this team because most everything else um, I mean, as long as you project the freshmen to hit about where their recruiting profiles are, um, most every other need is filled at this point. Um, not necessarily at like a Big Ten title level, but the needs are filled. As we know, uh, expecting freshmen to hit about, you know, their recruiting profile is, uh, I would say, almost always a sure thing. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Can't possibly go wrong with that. No, absolutely not. Uh, like when you when you've got a guy that's like, oh no, this guy's just a shooter and he's a five star shooter. That guy is going to be a really good shooter for sure. Yeah, definitely a reliable shooter, um, <laughs> a key presence on the team. Yeah, de- definitely not just going to become like an absolute like a uh, a literal scarecrow out there um, every time you're away from home. <laughs> All right, uh, you guys ready for this one? <laughs> Speaking of unreliable recruits. Uh, Michigan women's basketball picks up a former McDonald's All-American in Greta Kampschrader from Oregon State. Uh, she transferred after a freshman year there where she averaged only five points a game in 25 starts, uh, really kind of hit a wall in Pac-12 play. And um, it just was not the, uh, the freshman year that you would expect from a player who was listed as a top 10 recruit uh, by one service and uh, top 40 to ESPN and was a McDonald's All-American, uh, but still a pretty talented transfer, a six-foot guard with a lot of versatility. Michigan recruited her out of high school, also Stanford and Iowa, um, and so there was a, a strong pre-existing relationship with Kim barnes Rico when uh, Camp Schrader hit the transfer portal this year. Um, she started out in non-conference play, hitting over 40% of her threes last season, on three and a half attempts per game. Uh, She was an elite scorer in high school, um, but she was the fifth option on a team that played at a slow pace and didn't necessarily use her the way she was used in high school. Uh, So it was a rockier transition than expected. Um, But I could see her most likely slotting in as uh, Michigan's first player off the bench behind Layla Filia at shooting guard and also available to sub in at either point guard or small forward since uh, the offense is probably going to be run by Leah Brown at the three. Um, so uh, I could, and with her talent, there's a possibility of her sliding into the starting lineup, especially if she shoots like she did in non-conference play. So this is a pretty solid transfer to bring in, in terms of there's an obvious fit, um, because of her versatility, she can come off the bench at a few different spots um, or start at a couple different spots. And um, she can kind of come along as her game develops. Um, Michigan has 
the depth and talent to to bring her along at maybe a slower pace than than Oregon State was trying to. And uh, the potential is obviously really high. So this is a fresh start for her and something that uh, seems like a pretty ideal uh, situation for all parties involved. Um, in other women's basketball stuff, um, Michigan just hired uh, Aaron Bath as an assistant coach from North Carolina State. Uh, poaching an NC State assistant is uh, pretty solid for Michigan. Uh, she was also their recruiting coordinator uh, since 2020, and she will continue to serve in that role at Michigan. Um, she's former college player at Clemson, former WNBA player, overseas player. Uh, she's replacing Carrie Moore, who was just hired as the head coach at Harvard. Um, Moore is the third coach in the last uh, four off seasons to leave uh, for a head coaching job elsewhere. So Kim Barzarico is growing a pretty impressive coaching tree. And given that Michigan has continued to improve while replacing these coaches, I'm more happy that that tree continues to get bigger than worried about uh, her ability to replace uh, that coaching on the bench, especially given uh, Bass resume. So, um, I mean, it was definitely eye-opening to me to see that Michigan had grabbed uh, not only an assistant coach from North Carolina State, but uh, their recruiting coordinator. Uh, they are an elite recruiting school, and it's nice to have that at Michigan. Uh, finally, I mentioned... Uh, Nas Hillman's going to make the dream uh, and her regular season debut is on Saturday night. So if you were thinking of getting that WNBA league pass subscription, um, that's when you want to get it by. Uh, I think it is eight o'clock on Saturday. We are as always brought to you uh, by home field apparel. Use the promo code bucket problem for 15% off your first order from homefieldapparel.com. Big new Saturday season four starts on May 21st with 14 brand new schools uh, schools that are not on their website, and there are a lot of schools on that website. Uh, they will be rolling out one at a time starting May 21st, each Saturday at noon Eastern. If you want to do the math on the schools, you can probably figure out who's left and who's coming. Um, some of them might cause some conflict around here. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, subscriptions are back as well. Uh, it's $20 for a shirt, which is a cool 38% off. You get the shirt of the week handpicked by Homefield's designers, and they do a little formula uh, of their favorite shirts and color variety to make sure you don't get a bunch of similar looking stuff. Uh, so that is, that is highly recommended if you, like me, um, are somebody who ends up buying them in bunches uh, for not 38% off. Uh, so... Yeah. You should do like a, uh, you know how, you know how Lucky Charms is an oops all marshmallows, uh, you know, cereal, like Home field should have one of those where it's, you know, you get like an oops, all Davidson or whatever, <laughs> uh, pack, you know, like care package. Uh, and you just have to adopt that team because that's right, how fandom yeah. works. <laughs> uh, we are almost done with this week's refreshes. Uh, by the time you listen to this, uh, this is dropping Thursday night. Uh, you're probably listening to this on Friday, at which point uh, two new Tennessee shirts should be, uh, should be hitting the store. Um, Already released this week, a Yukon t-shirt that is fantastic. It, it is musket husky. Um, if you want a dog with a gun on a shirt, that's where you could find it. Uh, two new Syracuse t-shirts. Uh, we're doing a lot of Big East basketball. Um, Seton Hall, a hoodie and a t-shirt. Um, 
And then a little bit closer to, to big 10 country, um, they dropped Iowa and Iowa state shirts on the same day and then pitted them against each other, uh, which is, um, the type of, uh, cruelty in the name of capitalism that we, uh, really respect that they, they do over at home field. So, um, kudos to them for continuing to drop some, uh, some pretty fresh gear and, uh, get ready for, uh, the season four of Big New Saturday. I've seen the schools list, and while I cannot reveal what is on it, um, it's packed. It is packed. So uh, that subscription, think about it. Yeah, we're like home field insiders. Like we have a, we're like the guys that work for two four seven on Twitter, just tweeting the eyeball emoji anytime <laughs> you know that we feel like it. Starting like three different threads on the message boards, and uh, we're doing that, but for home field apparel. Yes, always. Um, we shouldn't have admitted that, but we just did. Uh, we are also brought to you by PointsBet. Download the PointsBet app and use the promo code BucketProp to get 100% of your deposit match up to $1,000 in the form of free bets. To get that bonus, you must use the promo code BucketProp. That is Bucket, P-R-O-B, all one word. Please gamble responsibly. Set limits. Avoid chasing losses. Never bet what you can't afford to lose. Take breaks when you need it and use the self-exclusion feature to stop yourself from betting. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, before we get into Dan's running back rankings, which I think are going to cause some uh, um, lively debate among the four of us. We'll go with lively debate. Um, We are going to run back over the NFL draft real quick. Um, Aiden Hutchinson did not go number one. Um, instead he went number two to the Detroit Lions. So, uh, congratulations and condolences to Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, Dax Hill is the other first round pick went 31st to Cincinnati, uh, David Ojabo, who probably would have gotten the first round until he tore his Achilles at his pro day went honestly pretty high for somebody who coming, who will be coming off that injury, uh, with the 45th overall pick in the second round. Uh, to Baltimore, where he will be reuniting with defense coordinator Mike McDonald. Hassan Haskins went in the fourth round, uh, 131st overall, to Tennessee, where he will fight to uh, back up Derrick Henry. Um, And if Derrick Henry goes down, he will be in line for a shit ton of carries um, and a uh, very prominent role in the fantasy football uh, content everywhere. Um, And Michigan's last draftee uh, of the day, uh, was Andrew Stuber in the seventh round uh, to New England? Uh, that uh, New England loves uh, their Wolverines. Uh, yeah, I love Andrew Stuber's like like a seventh year like two point five star offensive lineman from Connecticut, who is just this like hard nosed overachiever. Like him going to the New England Patriots is so unbelievably perfect. Like I'm so happy for both of them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great fit. There were also. Six undrafted free agents who have picked up contracts thus far. Uh, Dalen Baldwin and Chris Hinton both signed with the New York Giants. Vincent Gray went to the New Orleans Saints. Brad Hawkins to the Atlanta Falcons. Donovan Jeter to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Josh Ross, Josh Ross is joining David Ojabo and Mike McDonald in Baltimore. Quickly, uh, who do we think landed in the best situation? And uh, yeah, let's start there. Who do we think landed in the best situation? Well, well, as a Lions, yeah, as a Lions <laughs> fan, definitely not Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. I feel so bad for that poor guy. He's uh, at least he's a local. He knows what he's getting into. 
definitely. Yeah, he's going to see it coming. I think a number of these guys actually got in good spots. Like you mentioned Haskins. Like given that Haskins was a very low-ranked recruit and was a guy that as recently as like this, you know, the first month or so of his senior season, we didn't think necessarily would be drafted. Um, being drafted and going to a, like the most famously run heavy and like, you know, power running um, team in the NFL and having a chance to really get some carries. Like, that's awesome. I think, though, Ojabo, if he recovers and it'll take a while because Achilles is unfortunately a really bad injury. But like reuniting with his position coach, who's also a genius DC and being a guy who would have gone in the first round if he was healthy, that could potentially be like the value pick of the entire draft. Um, so that's, I'd go with those two. Yeah, long term, I do like that that a lot for Ojabo. Yeah, I'd say uh, Dax Hill. Um, I think you know, I mean, just like just vibe wise, the vibes in, in Cincinnati are better <laughs> than it's not a high bar, but the vibes in Cincinnati are incredibly good, or probably better than they've ever been. Um, and he's just a really good fit for like the NFL in general. Um, he's he can play corner, he can come up and stop the run, um, he can play safety, like, and he can do all those things. Not necessarily, you know. Jabril Peppers has carved out a pretty uh, good role, good you know career in the NFL. He's still around, which basically means that you're a success if the if you last more than like five years in the NFL. Um, but you know, Jabril Peppers was always like, yeah, he can do a lot of things, but is he necessarily great at any of one of them? You know, no. Um, he was more of a you know more of a college player. Dax Hill, I feel like, is really going to stick around in the NFL for a long, long time. Um, he's the type of guy that's going to be able to you know once he gets older and his athleticism starts to slow down, he's going to be able to switch to a different position and be just as effective, kind of like uh, Charles Woodson. Um, but yeah, I feel like he landed in a good spot. Uh, David Ajabo obviously staying with um, the same defensive coordinator that used him so well, uh, so that's a good situation. Um, you know, Aiden Hutchinson is in a good situation in that that he just uh, signed a thirty-five million dollar contract. Yes. <laughs> uh, so you know, hard to really argue with anything beyond that. Um, and then you know, Andrew Stuber, uh, New England's never a bad place to end up. Um, as I, I would say, the one thing I wanted to kind of like get annoyed about was uh, people just kept talking about like how Aiden Hutchinson was like you know high motor, uh, really just like a try hard like. Look, we all know exactly what people are talking about when they say that and that they haven't actually watched any ball. Like objectively, Aiden Hutchinson is a very, very, very good athlete. He elite scored athlete. He's an elite athlete. He had his his the only thing he's not great at is he doesn't have super long arms, but he's he is big. He is tall and he uh, he doesn't have great long speed, but he's got tremendous uh, a tremendous first step and great short area quickness. And he does have like Ben to get around the edge. I mean, I don't know. I just I was just getting annoyed by like the the takes about that and like how um uh Kayvon Thibodeau, who I also think is a good prospect. Like I'm not trashing yeah. him, but like there's no. It, it, I had people tell me like, oh yeah, like Kayvon Thibodeau is like the obvious obvious choice. He's a much better athlete. I'm like literally objectively i can show you the numbers he's not you can say like oh yeah he's he looks faster out there if you just want to go by like vibes you know be my guest that's that's what this podcast is all about but you can't just like just say that he's a better athlete because that's how you know that that's what makes you feel better we about, have like, ways of measuring a top this. two pick yeah right <laughs> like there there's there's stopwatches like i don't know I, I agree with dan and i would say this like if you need your defensive end to run 40 yards something went very very wrong um 
Although it is the Lions, so that probably will happen a few times. But like, still, I don't oh, think bro- that brother, I... you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's gonna get bad. I know, but like, I, I seriously think it's like, yeah, his forty time is not. He's not like one of those like OA guys or this recruit Nicholas Harbor, who's a defensive end who runs like a cornerback level forty. But like, you know, cone drill stuff like that is is more important for his position, and also just like, I know the Georgia game was the one arguable blemish for him, but like. Lest we forget, this is a guy who did like single-handedly annihilate the best offense in the country that was supposed to have all these NFL tackles and stuff. Like, I, I encourage everyone to go back and watch the, the the film of the Ohio State game and tell me that there's like no bend or no quickness there. Like, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, I I just don't see. I mean, again, like Aiden Hutchinson could bust in the NFL. Like, literally, there are so many players bust every year, and it's not just like you know, it's never a sure thing. But if you're looking at it, he's got he's got the the uh, the athleticism measurables. Um, he's got you know all the size besides his arms, which are like a little bit shorter than normal. Um, and he's got the production in college against, uh, and he had specifically production. I think he had like most of his sacks against Ohio state, Penn state, like, you know, he like against, uh, a, he also had good, uh, good, a good game against uh, Washington, which had um, a draftable offensive tackle. Like he played really well against good teams. Uh, he didn't just rack up stats against, uh, you know, Western Michigan and Northern Illinois. I, I don't think he had a sack against either of those teams. Um, I saw like Michigan state fans saying that, like he got dominated by Michigan state's tackles. Like he had two sacks in that game. Like, I don't like truly you have a baby's understanding of how football works. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, I just, I was just getting annoyed at like the discourse around it. Like I'm not guaranteeing he'll be good in the NFL. You never know. Um, and it might be that like his, him having short arms really is a death sentence, but, but like t- taking him at two is not a reach, especially given like the rest of the, the talent in this draft. Yeah, I think it was the right pick for the Lions. As a Lions fan, the, the only reason I didn't want them to draft Hutchinson is I wanted his, to spare him from the curse. Like, I think he's a great pick for what they needed and, you know, what positions are valuable in the NFL. He's definitely going to sell a lot of jerseys. And I feel like the Detroit fans will really celebrate his lunch pail, hard hat <laughs> attitude and motor. Yeah, he's also a, he's a Detroit he's a Detroit area boy, right? Like, isn't yes. he? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it makes a ton of sense. And like, given that he has roots in the area, if anyone can like stay positive and be a leader in the midst of that, just hellish morass that is the Lions franchise, it's a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, who's an incredible leader and is also from the area. So like, and if things go poorly, he can leave after five years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He plays there for eight seasons, cashes a bunch of checks, gets forces a trade to a good team and then wins a Super Bowl. That exactly couldn't have said it better. All right, of these uh undrafted guys, is uh, I'm just like, first of all, this was kind of a tough year for players towards the who were projected to be towards the bottom end uh, of a normal draft because, basically, given the COVID year, um, and so many players taking an extra college season, you just had a lot more draftable players this year than you normally do. Uh, so you could see more undrafted free agents kind of push out the guys from the previous class, which was a little bit barren. Uh, And of the guys that stuck at, or that have been signed out of Michigan so far, um, I think because of what we talked about in terms of the direction the NFL is headed, I would say Brad Hawkins uh, has a half decent chance of making Atlanta's roster. I also say that because the Falcons are terrible. Um, So that, that certainly helps when trying to make an NFL roster. 
Uh, is there anybody else you guys think might uh, might stick around? I think Hinton is like I'm, I was a little bit surprised he dropped so far. I think he probably made the worst choice, frankly, to go early. Um, I know he's not an incredible athlete, but like I think if he stayed in college, he would have had a very, very good season, you know, potentially all Big Ten and probably would have been drafted. So I think he's got a chance to be on a roster for sure. Yeah, um, I'd say Brad Hawkins, because I think that that's the type of guy that will be a really good special teamer. Um, he's a really good tackler, a really good tackler in space. Um, and you can stick around for a couple of years being good on special teams. And, you know, he doesn't have a tr- tremendous athleticism, but you can there's plenty of look, I've been watching Eagle secondaries for a long time. <laughs> you don't necessarily like have to be good at covering anyone to play safety in the NFL, um, at least not based on my experience. Um so, yeah, I think I think uh, Brad Hawkins and I, I will just second that, you know, Chris, Chris Hinton, like I really I, I think he has potential because he was a five star like he did flash um, some of that interior pass rush last year, uh, not consistently, but he did flash it like I I think he really could have benefited from coming back, uh, you know, again, and I I not I don't hold that against him at all. You know, I mean, you know, go. I hope things work out for him 100 percent, but um, feel like if he had come back this year, he would have been able to work his way into the mid rounds. Yeah, can't really disagree with you there. Um, also, yeah, this being the like overloaded draft here did not do him any favors. I want to drop my one take quickly, Ace, which is just to say, like, the overloaded draft here makes this strange i know and uh but like michigan only had five guys drafted under harbaugh they've usually had like i think their median draft under harbaugh is about eight guys so this is a little bit of a drop off for a team that has believe it or not been among the top five teams in the country to get guys drafted um on average since harbaugh took over and i think actually despite this being a weird year I think that's actually a pretty bullish indicator for this year's team because they returned a lot of guys that I do expect to eventually be drafted. And I won't go through all the names right now, but like, you know, they lost a lot from a very good team, especially on defense. They lost their, some of their headliners on defense, but they bringing back a lot. So, I mean, I don't think that this, yeah, there's some, some good news for Michigan uh, coming out of this actually. Yeah. Playoff team only loses five draftees is uh, there's, there's definitely a pretty straightforward way to, to take that as a positive. Um, and this, you know, yeah, I think we expect Michigan to be pretty good. Uh, speaking of which, um, Dan, I think it's time for your running back rankings. Uh, we might have to speed through the bottom end a little bit because we're almost an no, hour deep come on, and we're that's, just that's getting a... to it. Okay. Well, we'll I want to hear all we'll about speed the soft middle. We'll speed through yeah, the soft exactly. middle. The, the best part, the best part of this is going through the absolute awful statistics the, the, of the, the dregs. Uh, yeah. The dregs yeah. are fun. I take um, it back. So a quick, a quick note on methodology. Uh, I went with the, every team's uh, top two snap getters um, that are returning. Uh, I also included data like, for how much, how many blue chips are on each team to try to like give an idea of depth. Um, we're measuring uh, pure production. So like just yards, carries, touchdowns, etc. cetera. Um, and then also uh, line adjusted stats. So like highlight yards per opportunity, if you're familiar with that, basically like any yards past three yards or what we're counting for the running backs. Um, it's j- just to try to like adjust for the teams that didn't have great offensive lines. Um, and then also uh, receiving statistics like yards per target, yards per per um, uh, yards per catch, etc. Um, so those are the basic the the basic ones that we went after. Um, so starting at the bottom here, we have Iowa, who uh, truly like 
coming, looking at all the position previews we've done so far, is shaping up to have a truly, truly dreadful offense. Um, I had Shocker. them. <laughs> I had them with. I, I ranked twenty-eight running backs, two from each team in the Big Ten. They, I had them with the uh, the twentieth and twenty-seventh best running backs. Um, Gavin Williams, I had as the twenty, the 20th best running back. Um, he's just, I mean, I'm not going to go into details here, but just not really good at anything. Um, really bad <laughs> receiver out of the backfield, uh, really bad runner. Um, you know, we talked about how their offensive line was bad, but he didn't like do anything when the offensive line actually opened hold, holes for him. Um, and you know, he, he also didn't like get a ton of playing time in general last year. I think he was like their third back. Um, they haven't brought anyone in from the transfer portal. They have not recruited the position particularly well. Uh, their second back is LaShawn Williams, who not really even worth talking about because he uh, only got like, I don't know, I think, think like 10 carries last year, 69 total yards from scrimmage. Nice, um, nice uh, but not nice. Uh, yeah. LaShawn <laughs> Williams stinks. He's the worst. <laughs> he's the worst running back that I ranked. Uh, literally zero targets. Second yeah. worst, oh, I no. Second worst. Right. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Iowa doesn't seem to have a lot of like th- you could always kind of count, of count on Iowa to have one talented running back coming back. Seems like they really don't this year. Um, and eight, this is a team questions? that totally wasted uh, Tyler Goodson last year. And Tyler Goodson is someone who I'm like kind of poking around as, as like maybe like a on the low dynasty fantasy pickup because he tested outrageously well um, and just uh, didn't produce at Iowa. But given uh the offensive line stuff that we went over uh, last week and uh, them coming in uh, dead ass last in that um, it's going to be rough because the, yeah, that neither of the, none of their other running backs popped uh, and Goodson had very few chances to pop last year. And he's a, a, a really good athlete. I just want to say, I think the NCAA needs to step in here. Like I'm only halfway joking. Like Iowa cannot be allowed to put this much effort into being bad at offense like it's a disgrace to the game. Um, they're doing everything in their power, short of like actively throwing games to be terrible at offense. And I just like I obviously this is a bit, but it's also like they should be sanctioned in some way for this. Like what they're doing there <laughs> is disgraceful. So but we're we're going to find out that Kirk Ferentz and Brian Ferentz have made millions upon millions of dollars just betting the under on Iowa games. <laughs> I mean, maybe right? Like that's that's how bad it is. It so. would explain a great deal. <laughs> You guys are talking your shit now, but just wait until Brian Ferentz and uh, and Spencer Petrus get to cooking. Um, <laughs> so, so far, Spencer Petrus is by far the best part of this offense. Oh, that <laughs> and is I can't, so wow. brutal. I truly cannot imagine it's going to get better. You know, they'll probably rank pretty high on tight ends, so you give them that. But I cannot imagine that their receivers are going to be looked at favorably by these rankings either. So I think um, we have a dark horse contender for episode title in Spencer Petrus is the best part of this offense. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. Yeah. Set, setting an alt, the, the least listened to podcast of all time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so moving up the list here, um, we have Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers had Isaiah Pacheco last year who got like the by far lion's share of their carries. Um, and he was very good. Uh, unfortunately, his backups are not projecting to be as good. Um, I have them ranked 22nd and 25th, uh, respectively. Kyle Manon guy, 
I believe. Uh, I have ranked it at, you know, 20, uh, 22nd. And Aaron Young, who uh, real RCMB heads will remember as the uh, Michigan State's best recruit in the class of 2018 um, that flipped from Michigan State to Rutgers on signing day. Um, <laughs> that's that's a real deep cut there. Um, and <laughs> so is. that's just, yeah, like things that like I uh, that's probably took the place of, you know, a loved one's uh, uh, birthday um, <laughs> in my brain. But anyway, uh, Kyle Monongai is um, like bad. Uh, at running he's uh you know 3.32 yards per running back opportunity um ran for 3.8 yards per carry overall last year uh you know just not good um he's an okay receiver but on super limited targets um and Aaron Young is uh just it was targeted a lot more 21 targets but was actually way worse um you know in actually utilizing them uh 4 yards per target which is really bad and then he was an even worse runner than Kyle Monongai so yeah like this is uh this is a bad running back room um unfortunate because i think Rutgers offensive line is going to be pretty good and they tend to like I wouldn't rule out that Rutgers finds a guy because they did bring in a pretty talented freshman. They have, they have some talent in this, uh, in this running back room. So it's possible that someone could come out of nowhere, but I'm not just going to project that to happen. And as of right now, I have them with the uh, 13th best running back room in, in the conference. Uh, any input there? No, it's Rutgers. <laughs> Keep yeah, on there rolling. we go. Keep going. Uh, Purdue is at uh, is at twelve. Um, Purdue really just like King Doru uh, put up some you know like good counting stats. He had seven hundred yards from scrimmage last year. Um, I have him as the seventeenth uh, best running back in in the Big Ten. He's just like not really good at anything. He's below average as a runner. Um, not really making the most out of his opportunities. Not racking up uh, any really good counting stats. Um, and uh, as, as a receiver, he's used a lot in the receiving game um, and he's okay at that. He's, he's, you know, he had 24 targets last year, um, so almost seven yards per target. So that's, that's an okay number, but like as a runner, he's just not good enough to uh, justify being anywhere in the top half. Um, he's just, he, he Purdue kind of has a, has a pattern I'm noticing where they're a very pass based offense and everyone in their offense is really just like, you know, designed to do more or less one thing. Um, Dylan Downing, I have as their backup running back. Uh, he is the 24th best running back in uh, the, the conference and he is bad at everything. Um, I'm not really going to go any further into that. Uh, just not really a good receiver. Um, even though he, you know, had a good amount of targets and uh, not really good as a runner either. So, um, you know, King Doru is like a totally middle of the pack running back, but uh, this is just not a great running back room overall. Hasn't been recruited great. Um, you know, I expect the receivers to be uh, a lot better when we talk about them potentially next week. Um, but, you know, shouldn't surprise anyone. Purdue does not have a great running back room. Um, any input on Purdue? If anything, I might move them down below Rutgers, depending on how Rutgers uh, freshman uh, class pans out. Just because I did, Dory does very little for me as a player. That's an offense where, like, even if running isn't really your strength, you should probably be grinding out a decent yards per carry, just because that's such a change up for them. <laughs> Here, here's what yeah. I think: I think they should let the big drum hit some holes. It might, you know, it's It's not going to avoid contact. It's going to seek to hit guys. So you got that going for it at least. And, yeah. I mean, Mike Allstott is probably the best back in the history of Purdue. So this would be a, a return to tradition. Some would say. 
Yeah, I could definitely see Rutgers uh, making an argument just just based on like the history of their position. Like that's the one thing Rutgers does is find one good running back every year. Usually um, that running back thing commits elsewhere, but you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um, moving up the list here, uh, Maryland. Uh, Maryland has two totally mediocre running backs. Um, I have them ranked 13th and 15th respectively in the conference. Um, they are Chalin Famatau. Um, I, I, this is really testing my pronunciation um, and Colby McDonald. That one's easy. Um, I have them like totally middle of the pack in the conference. Um, Chalin Famatau actually uh, is a totally passable runner. Um, you know, had a, had a good percentage of his plays of his plays go for 10 plus yards. Uh, not necessarily super explosive, but like, like did pretty well with his opportunities. Maryland's offensive line wasn't tremendous last year, but he was okay. Um, he was also actually really good as a receiver, uh, eight yards per target, um, 11 and a half yards per reception, uh, low volume though, only got 10 targets all season. You know, he was playing a, a backup role. I, I've not, I don't know off the top of my head who their starter was last year, but I know that neither of these guys were it. Um, so, uh, and then Colby McDonald is not much of a receiver, but is, uh, actually a better runner than, uh, Chalin. He's, uh, he had almost six yards per running back opportunity. Um, and uh, 5.4 yards per carry overall, uh, pretty explosive, generated a lot of big plays. Um, but, you know, just it didn't necessarily, I mean, t- totally passable, like really bad as a receiver. Um, you know, I think between those two, you could find some decent, uh, decent production, but neither one of those, it really is like a, a game changer. And I think that's why I've, I've got Maryland, you know, lower because in, in for running backs, like you'd really rather have one star rather than like two guys that are okay. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. I, I love that. We just skipped Indiana. Probably the best oh, thing my God. to do given our sponsor. <laughs> like, I don't think he wants to hear that, but. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, Indiana. I'll talk about them really quickly. Um, Indiana. I have them with the uh, 17th and 24th best running backs. Um, The, the, the one that I actually think could be like somewhat decent. um, Sean Shivers. He's a transfer. Yeah. Great name um, coming in for, I think that actually might be wrong by the way. I think, yeah, I have him higher than 17th, but whatever. Um, Sean Shivers coming in from, uh, Auburn. Um, he was super low volume at Auburn. He didn't get a whole lot of touches, but he was really, really good on the touches that he got. And he was also a pretty good receiver out of the backfield. So there's some upside there for sure. Um, Charlie Spiegel, I have, unfortunately as the 28th best running back. Um, he only had 62 yards from scrimmage last year, zero targets. And he was really bad on the running on the, on the attempts that he did get. So, um, you know, like, I think Sean, if Sean Shivers was your second guy, I'd be like, oh, awesome. Like, this is a pretty good room, but uh, he's your first. You're expecting him to like, you want him to, you're going to, he's going to have to maintain those numbers through like a lot more volume. So that's why I have Indiana lower. Um, I think Maryland is overall better just because, you know, two guys that, that you have more, a little bit more proven on it is better. Um, I also love that like Indiana is the tale of two names. Like you said, Sean Shivers, good running back name, solid Charlie Spiegel. Worst running back name ever. Not like <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, absolutely. Sean Shivers is really good, though. I did not think about that last night when I was uh, I was doing this. Um, uh, moving up here, Nebraska. Nebraska, I think, actually has a pretty solid room. Um, Ramir Johnson, I have as the twelfth best running back in the in the conference. Um, he was a really good receiver uh, on pretty good volume, uh, over ten yards per target. Uh, 11.7 yards per reception. Um, not really much of a runner. Uh, did not do did not do much with the opportunities he got. Um, only 4.4 yards per carry. 
um, and 3.7 per running back opportunity. Not very explosive, but, you know, a good receiver out of the backfield, uh, which is good to have. And then Jaquez Yant um, I have as their second guy, and he was actually a really, really powerful runner. He had a lot of yards after contact, uh, 6.2 yards per carry. Not very explosive, though, like kind of a big plodding, like Devion Smith type running back and basically a complete non-factor out of the backfield. So Nebraska, um, you know, I have up here as the the ninth best room in the conference. They kind of have like, you know, one they, they, they have guys that are, uh, you know, good at one thing and bad at the other, um, you know, al- alternatingly. So between those two, like I think that's a pretty, pretty solid room, but not necessarily like blow you away uh, enough to, to get above any of the teams above them. Totally. Any, yeah. Uh, moving on up here. Uh, Minnesota, kind of an interesting one. So I think Minnesota's running backs that I charted here were actually really bad. Trey Potts and Bryce Williams are both just like uh, Bryce Williams is is outright bad and Trey Potts is um, bad, but on higher volume. So I guess that's <laughs> better. Um, but uh, the thing is, they have Mo Ibrahim coming back after a season long um, injury. And I didn't chart him because that I'd have to go back to uh, 2021. Um, and I don't want to do that. And that was you know, kind of <laughs> I've, I've, I I've very like engineer brain about this. Like I kind of did like the same. Um, I did like very much the same uh, like process for every single person. So, so ment- wanna, like, mentally move Minnesota up to like, yeah, I don't know, four. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have them at eight because, you know, because, you know, Mo Ibrahim did miss the whole season. So I think it's fair to say, like, we don't 100 percent know what we're getting. And True. we know that his backups are bad. Um, but, you know, like, I think if, if Mo Ibrahim comes back to what he was, you know, in 2020 or 2020, you could easily move this this team up to, you know, maybe like five. So um, I might be being a little bit unfair to Minnesota here. But I think like, you know, given that Mo Ibrahim has not played football in almost 12 months, like it's it's not a sure thing that he's going to be going right back to what he was. Yeah. Um Moving on, any uh, do, do we disagree with my methodology there of of discounting Mo Ibrahim, or am I? I mean, I, yes, uh, but then, but, but yeah. I just said where they'd land otherwise. I think so. That <laughs> yeah, fair enough. We're good. <laughs> uh, Penn State. Um, they I have them at number seven here. Um, Kevon Lee. Uh, you know, Penn State's raw running back numbers are pretty bad. He only had four point nine yards per carry. But you have to keep in mind that Penn State's offensive line sucks absolute shit. Um, and uh, <laughs> that's when, a technical when you, term for their offensive line. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you break it out, like uh, on on carries where he got at least three yards downfield, um, he had five point four running back yards per opportunity, which is pretty good. Generated a lot of good explosion. Um, he was also a totally passable receiver out of the backfield uh six yards per target eight yards per reception um on pretty high volume so Kevon lee like i think working in a bad situation was pretty good when he actually got opportunities to get downfield um and you know the thing with penn state is that they also have the most talent at running back in the in the conference so uh th- their numbers are not going to look good because again their offensive line absolutely sucks but uh i think like just evaluating the position in a um in a vacuum, I think Kevon Lee is is one of the better backs in the Big Ten, um, and they've also got like a ton of guys, you know, that are four and five stars back there that can step in if needed. Then they have a lot of got a lot of bullets in the chamber. Um, yeah, on Devin, pure just like running back ability, I might move them up a couple spots uh, over. I would say actually the next three teams that you have here, but we'll get to that. I Fair disagree. Enough. I think they deserve to be there. Yeah, I think their See, offensive I'm, line, it like, <laughs> is 
Their offensive line deserves to see the other position groups get ranked high so they know just how much they drag everything down. <laughs> yeah, I really am. Div- so, I mean, I would say one of the reasons I didn't rank them higher is because Devin Ford was um, I just talked about how Kevon Lee did really good with his opportunities. Devin Ford sucked uh, like out even when accounting for the offensive line and he was their second guy. So if they have another guy step up, like I know they they have like the number one running back in the country coming in so they could easily bump up and I might be might be being a little bit unfair. Um, but I also am just developing a really deep hatred of Penn State uh, while going through this because they, they play football the wrong way. You know, I mean, like to have all this talent and to just be so bad at the fundamentals is like an affront to the football gods. So um, I, I, I feel pretty good about uh, discounting them. Yes. Come to the dark side, Dan. Stop worrying about Michigan State and join me <laughs> in hating Penn State with a fierce passion. Because like it's not a rivalry hatred in the same way that they're kind of a secondary rival for Michigan. It's really just like it's the schadenfreude for me where like last year, I think most Big Ten previews were like, oh, Penn State, best running back room in the conference. They've got like five five stars somehow. Like, of course, they're going to tear it up. Then they're out there running for like two yards of carry against <laughs> Illinois. And you're like, oh, my God, what is happening here? And so, like, yeah, I'm going to point at them and laugh at them. And, you know, maybe Katron Allen or like the, the IMG kid that's coming in will tear it up. But like they deserve to be derided, man. They deserve to be ridiculed. It's it's a it's a disgraceful situation over there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this was the first one where I was like, I it really did like tell the story of something I already knew where he is like basically when he gets three yards downfield, he averages five and a half more yards, but he averages less than five yards overall. So like that tells you how bad that offensive line was like they did not deliver their running backs far downfield at all. Um, So now moving on up, uh, I would say every team above this has a pretty good running back situation. Um, Michigan State, uh, I have up next. Uh, Their leading running back looks to be... (laughs) uh, Unfortunately, they found another good running back out of the portal. Um, Jarek Broussard was Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year in 2020. Um, He also... He he struggled a little bit last year in terms of the overall numbers. Only 4.6 yards per carry. Um, But he also had uh, 6.2 yards per running back opportunity. So he was another one where his offensive line at Colorado last year really struggled, but when he when they were able to live him downfield, um, he he generated a lot of explosive plays. Almost uh, when he was when he got three yards downfield, he he had more than ten yards almost thirty percent of the time. Um, I know that's a really that's a lot of really complicated like conditionals. So I'm sorry, um, Spartan but, uh, fan Dan pumping up the numbers of a Spartan running back. <laughs> what else is new? <laughs> um, and uh, you know uh, below average <laughs> net below average out of the backfield, um, but you know passable. They they did target him a lot. Um, I so, can summarize the rest of their running back room. Terrible. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Terrible. Jordan Simmons. Uh, Jordan Simmons does stink. Um, he's really, really bad. I had him as the 24th ranked running back. I had uh, Jarek Broussard as the as the uh, seventh best running back overall in the conference. Um, Jordan Simmons doesn't do anything well. Uh, he stinks. He fumbles a ton. Um, three almost. He fumbled at almost four point four percent of his carries, which is impressive. Um, but to be fair, they are bringing in Jalen Berger, uh, who was not tremendous at Wisconsin, but probably will end up being the backup over Jordan Simmons. Yeah. Um, uh, they don't have Connor Hayward anymore. I feel like he was there since like the Bush administration. He He's, has finally yeah. moved on to the NFL. He's actually playing on the yeah, Steelers. He got drafted. His brother. Um, yeah. He got drafted. Wait, he got cool drafted. Story. Yeah. Oh as, yeah. As, yeah, like, yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> Yeah, That's he was he thing. was actually really. I mean, I hate He's to be like a player. Guy. He was really good last year. Yeah, he was really good last year. Um, it's I was. I, it's funny because I remember not like, a running back. 
Yeah, 20, 2016 and or no, like 2017, I was like watching him. I, I cannot, I was like, I cannot believe this is uh MSU starting running back. He was so terrible. But as as an H back, he was good. Um, got good hands. Anyway, uh moving up the list here, uh Northwestern. Um, really kind of uh interested to I, I was interested to find them here. Um, it turns out that Evan Hull is actually really good. Um, he had twelve hundred yards from scrimmage last year. Um, and then when you break it down, like his uh his his line adjusted yards are, are still really good. Um, five yards per carry, you know, five point five yards per running back opportunity, generating uh, a decent amount of uh, explosive plays. Also, really really effective out of the backfield. He had forty two targets, which is the most out of anyone in the conference, um, and and put up uh, a, you know a respectable six point three yards per target. But on that kind of volume, that's that's really good uh, for a running back. So. I mean, just overall, like Evan, Evan Hull's good. Um, Andrew Clare is a totally passable backup. He's kind of middle of the pack at everything. Um, some pretty good rushing numbers, uh, but on like also very limited volume. Um, and then on top of that, they have, um, oh my gosh, I'm totally drawing a blank. Who, who's coming back for the Mace? The, the one guy that was on uh, it. You might not. It, it, ben keeps talking about him in the group chat. That's the only thing I can remember. <laughs> oh. um, I want to say it's like Porter or something. Yeah, Cam Porter, Cam Porter. Yeah. Um, Cam Porter was really good in 2020 and he's coming back for them. So um, they have the sixth and 16th ranked running backs in the conference. And then they return a guy that could also be pretty good. So and yeah, a, none of it's going to matter because I was going to say like, they that's... might start Ryan Holinsky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Unfortunately, I, I mean, real ones, I want to say, first of all, real ones from Michigan know that Evan Hall was good. Was he the one who gashed Michigan for like the biggest play from scrimmage last year that they yep. gave up? Or, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was pretty sick. <laughs> um yeah no i think that uh i think evan holds pretty good um and it's it should be said that like you know they're doing they're putting up these numbers um with absolutely zero passing threat so that's even more kind of uh impressive um moving on up here we have uh illinois um i have them uh fourth in the conference they have by my estimation the third and 11th best running backs i um, might yeah i yeah <laughs> We, we can talk about we'll it. I, this one this. I knew, <laughs> I knew that I knew that this one was going to be um, very, very uh, controversial. Um, but I think we should say before we start uh, negatively comparing him to Blake Corum, which is I know, I, what I know is about to happen. Um, <laughs> I will say Chase Brown is a very good running back in his own right. Um, he put up 1,100 yards from scrimmage last year. He was very effective as a receiver on a pretty high volume of targets. He was very effective as a runner. Um, very explosive. Uh, creating a lot of 10 plus yard plays um, generally, you know, he was, he was almost six yards per carry um, uh, not as good of a runner as Blake Corum, but he was a very effective pass catcher, which we'll I'm get to, but Blake Corum wasn't, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what well, you go, go for it. Ace. You tell oh, me. Okay. Uh, Dan, this is where I think uh, um, not pulling up the game logs has, uh, has bit you again. <laughs> Uh, I'm not going through every game. I'm sorry. Like you guys can pull up the game logs to critique me, you, but you I'm need, not going through every game. Okay. So Chase Brown uh, barely didn't really play in the first five games of the season. Very much uh, had 26 carries um, then doubled his carries uh, in the very next game by rushing for 257 yards on 26 carries and two touchdowns against Charlotte, Charlotte, Um <laughs> He had 223 yards on 33 carries in that horrendous Penn State game where their defense just gave up because their offense could not do a dang thing. 
Uh, and his other two 100 yard games were against Minnesota and Northwestern. Uh, and the Minnesota one, he did not crack five yards. Ah, okay. So Ace is making a really important point here, which is that we should reconsider empty calories yards by running backs. I'm going to put a pin in that one for later. Uh, thank you, Ace, for making that point. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I, okay. I, I, I also, okay. First of all, Connor, we, you know, I think this you, podcast you is going easy. Long. Uh, I don't. <laughs> Second of all, as for Chase Brown's receiving, the only two times he topped 20 yards were against Virginia and Maryland. Um, so his receiving threat out of the backfield, I would say, is overrated. Um, do you want me to do Ches Belusi now, or do we do that later? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fine. Um, anyway, uh, look, I think Chase Brown's good. Um, uh, Illinois had a good running game last year. Fraud. It's not like it's not like Michigan didn't like have you know. Michigan running backs didn't have big games against bad teams. I mean, Blake Corum had, but they also had big games against good teams. That's true. I I have Blake Corum's uh, game, but you're talking about, I mean, okay. So to be fair, I mean, that's, that's fine. But like, to be fair, you're talking about how chase Brown had, he did have a really big game against Penn state, Blake Corum. And I mean, I guess Blake Corum didn't play against Penn state to be fair, but uh, Hassan (laughs) Haskins did not have like, you know, a million yards against Penn State. Like, okay, we're, we're going Blake apples Corum to apples also here. Had six carries for eighty-seven yards against Ohio State. Yeah, I mean that and five for seventy-four. Right, which Ohio. I was which is a famous game with actually a famously that. good defense. Well, we were by told the way. I mean, I mean one that yeah. one that a lot of teams could not run on in the Big Ten. But I, I mean, one that Michigan right. State. So could not here's run here's on, the thing. Whether or not you dis- you agree with uh, me ranking Chase Brown ahead of Corum, um, I get it. I know, like it's it's probably I'm probably being like tr- too much of an anti homer. I do have Michigan ranked ahead of Illinois, and I wouldn't put Illinois below Northwestern either way. So I think Illinois as a running back room is ranked in the right spot at number. Let four. me support your point here, Dan. And say yeah, that, I'm like, more I'm more griping with your individual running back rankings. I, yeah, that's I, fine. I actually don't like. I do think that Bert Bert the fight and Berts of Illinois. Old Burt does have good taste in running backs, so I do find this plausible. Like, there's one thing this guy knows, it's running backs. So, like, all right, fair enough. I'll give you that. Okay, fair enough. I thought there was going to be a but there. No, no, <laughs> I was actually supporting your point. I was waiting. <laughs> I kind of like going Um yeah. So, and then their second guy is Josh McRae, um, who also had pretty good production last year. Not much of a threat out of the backfield, um, but you know, overall, like a a really good uh, a really good runner. Um, you know, put up good numbers there, and and was relatively you know efficient. Um, I have him as the 11th best running back in the Big Ten. So, you know, you've got a you got a headliner like Chase Brown who can do who can receive and who can run and catch. Um, and you've got Josh McCray as your backup. I think that's a good room for Illinois. And I really do like giving teams that uh, otherwise might suck like props for having you know good players on them. Um, and I think that's that's something that I'm trying to do through this preview series. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the other homers on this podcast <laughs> just are just kids just pick nits about you know how Michigan think, should be one Michigan's- spot. Five stars might be better than Illinois three right. stars, <laughs> and that's 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 fine if you want to do that. But you know, whatever. I'm I'm just trying to be impartial. Um, up next, we have Michigan. Uh, so you know, again, like Michigan, I still have Michigan over Illinois. Um, Blake Corm I have as, as the fourth best running back. You know, uh, behind uh, the the guys at the top of this list. Um, Blake Corum <laughs> was. We did just slide past it. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. 
Uh, Blake Corum was a tremendous runner last year. Um, you know, put up good numbers, obviously 952 rushing yards, 6.6 yards per carry. Um, even when you adjust for the offensive line, he was one of the the best and most explosive runners. Uh, 10% of the time when he got three yards downfield, he put up a 20 yard run. Um, that's really tremendous. Uh, he was, um, the only knock against him really like he's an all around great runner, not a very good receiver. Uh, Got targeted 31 times, which is a ton, but really did not do a lot with those targets. Only 4.5 yards per target and 5.8 yards per reception. That's those are like outright bad numbers. Um, so I think there's like, you know, we'll talk about how we'll talk about Donovan Edwards, who is a very good receiver out of the backfield, but Blake Corum got used a lot in the passing game, but was not very effective on on the passes that he did get. So that's really like the only thing I would say that's keeping him below if he was if he was more efficient on those on those catches I would probably move him up to two but he he wasn't uh and you know overall I, th- I think he's going to be very good this year I'm super high on Blake Corum he was PFF's top ranked back so you know I'm, I'm diverting a little bit from from uh I guess like uh the, the orthodox opinion here. I was gonna say I think it does um, but, bear like I'm glad you said it I'm gonna give you credit for saying it his PFF score is like significantly higher than anyone else um well, actually, uh, me and oh, I just undermined my own point. Uh, oh, oh no, never mind. PFF scores one. don't work. Let's go. Let's yes. go. <laughs> but he does uh, yeah. The anyway, score. I want to point that out. You're correct. Yes. He has he has the highest score. Um, and you know, as we know, PFF never been wrong about anything. <laughs> um, so. Uh, yeah, no, overall, a very, very good running back. Even if he doesn't evolve in the passing game at all, he's going to be one of the best backs in the Big Ten, um, especially taking on more of a lead role now that, you know, um, now that Haskins is gone. Uh, Donovan Edwards. Um, so I Placed have the behind Ches Malusi. I'm going yeah. to fight you with my fists. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fine. We can talk about Ches Malusi in a second. Um, can we please just talk about the <laughs> can, we, can we stay on topic and talk about the running backs <laughs> that I'm trying to talk sir. about? Um, so here's the thing. Uh, Donovan Edwards got a uh, hundred and or got 35 carries last year, which is, you know, not, not a ton. Obviously he was, he was third back, but he didn't do a ton with those carries. Um, he was not very explosive, did not create a lot of big plays. And also like playing behind a really good offensive line only had uh, less than five yards per carry and 4.5 uh, yards per running back opportunity. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, those are bad rushing numbers and we saw two running backs, uh, that were ahead of him have really good rushing numbers. So I, I, I do kind of hesitate there now where he shines is his receiver. Um, I, I I'm not going to like, you know, try to downplay this at all. Even if he's just a receiving back, um, the next, you know, two years that he's here, he'll be, uh, he'll, you know, be potentially like a first round draft pick. Um, when he was on the field, he was targeted 31% of the time, which is crazy. Um, and that just shows you like how often he's getting open, um, and how many plays that run that Michigan's running for him. He had 26 targets and on those targets, he had uh, 10 yards per target and 13 yards per reception. Those are some of the best stats wow. in, in the, in the uh, conference. And he's doing that on again, like th- that's like thirty percent of passing plays that he's out there. He's getting the ball thrown to him. He so through like um, a seventy-yard touchdown pass. <laughs> that's also true. Rope. I I do not have uh, the running. The I do not have throwing yards on here. Um, the only reason I have him behind Ch- Chesma Lucy is that Chesma Lucy 
had more production overall. I the game logs get ready. <laughs> that, that's fine. <laughs> I I'm, I'm 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 going back over this now and look. I just want to say, like, it's easy to pick holes in this, and you guys are, are definitely doing that. <laughs> Dan puts but it's, together, it's really Dan hard. pours hours into this, and we're just it's, like, oh, I just pulled this up in three seconds, and I'm going to yell and, at you. And and that's fine, that's like, but it's you you have like a lot of um. I, I totally get it. That's why we're doing these segments. I'm not actually upset about it. But like when you're trying to like trying to compare all these stats, like it's it gets really hard to actually rank these running backs one by one. And there are absolutely oversights that I've made here. Like I'm looking at Jasmine Lucy right now, and you guys are maybe right. Um, the one thing I will say <laughs> is that Don, Donovan Edwards fumbled a ton. Uh, fumbled on three whoa, and a whoa, half. Whoa, 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 whoa! Don't use percentages here because that's literally one fumble. No, no, he had he had a uh, he had a fumble. Uh, you know, he had three fumbles. I don't remember that. No, yeah, he had he had one fumble he had, on thirty five carries. No, looking at had, it. no, no, one rushing. Sorry, he had two fumbles. One one rushing fumble and one receiving fumble. Um, so uh, whatever, it's fine. Tiny sample. Okay, this is a tiny sample size. That tiny sample size. So uh, yeah, that's if fine. you're going to mention that's that, fine. that that's Braylon fine. Allen cannot be ranked second. In this yeah. Game. Okay. Fine. 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 Uh, um. So yeah, Chesma. You're right. I guess he should be ahead of Chesma Lucy. <laughs> that's that's totally okay. All right. I if still you want to say I that still he has, need to make my argument. That's I, I, go ahead. Because Ace, I also ahead. think. Okay. First of all, Edwards is like arguably the most talented running back in the conference, except maybe Travion Henderson. Uh. Yeah. Except maybe Travion Henderson. Um. Secondly, uh, almost all of his receiving production, except two catches for 14 yards, came in the last four games of the season. Um, on the flip side, Chesma Lucy uh, sat on the bench for the last four games of the season. <laughs> uh, didn't play. Uh, Braylon Allen took all those carries. Um, one of his 100-yard games was against Eastern Michigan. Another was against Illinois. And a third was against Purdue. Uh, the fourth was against a Penn State team that gave up 100-yard performances to two different Illinois running backs um, in the same game. Um, otherwise, uh, pretty crummy. He had six carries for 13 yards against Michigan, 18 for 54 against Notre Dame, 19 for 48 against Iowa, um, 16 for 66 against Army. Army. Yeah. I, um, that's you know, fine. You know what? And, and I'll, I'll say, say – I'll say. Can I just say one more thing about uh, yeah. um, Donovan Edwards rushing wise? Uh, because yes, those numbers. First of all, they still average out to like five yards a carry when it's all said and done. But one thing that the Michigan coaches said last year and absolutely does impact running backs is just getting into a rhythm. And he had one game last year where he had more than six carries. Um, and in that game, he carried the ball eight times for eighty-six yards. Now that one's against no- Northern Illinois, so that partially defeats my argument. But I don't think judging him off of getting one carry against Ohio state, three carries against Iowa, four carries against Georgia. Like, I don't think that's very useful in evaluating him for next year. And when I, at that point, I'd rather just look at like the recruiting profile, um, the remarkable athlete that we saw in the last four games of the season. And, um, and yeah, uh, as Connor is encouraging me to go towards, you know, maybe go a little bit off vibes here. Yeah, well, and, and vibes wise, Donovan Edwards is easily, easily. a top ten running back. I, so, right, I, I just I, moved him. I just moved him up over Chesma Lucy. Yes, just like, I, if Dennis. you look in the spreadsheet, there you I go. Like now move, now move Michigan above Wisconsin, and we can we were really talk. I, I think Dan is being very gracious. First of all, Ace, I want to point out Northern Illinois is pretty good. That uh, that featured famed Michigan Slayer Rocky Lombardi. Let's not diss on them, but uh, <laughs> who is definitely playing linebacker in that? Yeah, game. I mean, probably for all I know, yeah. but. Um, <laughs> I just want to say this like this and I, I'm not faulting Dan the way that Dan did this. I think the methodology is sound. This is kind of the fundamental epistemological problem of college football 
is you kind of do have to go on like what you know based on existing production you have to sort of overrate returning production which is what like all analysts do but like we all know that if donovan edwards is not better than at least like several of the guys that are ahead of him on this list that's a huge disappointment and it means he's not fulfilling the the potential that we saw or his recruiting profile and i think like we kind of all know that right and like you know he may not get there maybe a disappointing season but like if he fulfills the potential that we've already seen he's going to be way up there on this list um potentially at the top yeah and and that's fine i i just it's like tough for me to say like i mean i agree with you right but it's tough for me to say like oh yeah he's you know i'm just going to put him over like, I think I think putting him over like Kevon Kevon Lee, Jarek Broussard, like Evan Hall, the guys with like established production on a, at a really good level on a high volume. That's that's just homerism, you know. I mean, like, yeah, he's a five star, like, but I can't. I'm not just gonna like put him over those guys because yeah, like, that's I, I, I get and I get it. I'm also still arguing for Blake Corum also over Chase Brown. Yeah, uh, but that's. Uh, um, I think yeah, largely a competition thing. Also, just a like one is. Uh, top 50 former All-American. All I'm saying is that you Uh, have to overrate. I think you kind of have to inherently overrate returning production, even though we all know that isn't like the only factor in college football. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, to be fair, I I feel like I've tried to do a good amount of projection on these, but at the end of the day, like you just don't have enough data on a lot of these guys to like know one way or another. Um, So yeah, like, I mean, like you you put like Jacquez Yant down pretty low for having 6.3 yards per carry, but it was on 47 carries for Nebraska. Right. So we can be skeptical about a lot of that. Yeah, I mean, like, look, we're, we're talking. Uh, Sh- Sean Shivers might be like number one on this list if we're going by just, <laughs> just <laughs> like you know, the efficiency. Yeah. I also love yeah, how like, Nebraska is doing really well in these offensive rankings, and like Nebraska to me is the team right now that's like, swear to God, bro, if I put it all together, bro, you're gonna be so sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's true. Once together, I once like, I stop <laughs> once I stop losing uh, scores by exactly half of a point, uh, it's over for you. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, moving on here, Wisconsin, I have it number two. Um, you could probably make an argument for Michigan above them. Uh, but I do think Braylon Allen is a really special yes. running back. Um, he's basically just, he's, he's better. He's a better version of Blake Corm. He's not very good as a, um, as a receiver. He has even worse receiving metrics than Blake Corum, but you know, we're kind of picking straws there. They're both really bad. Um, but like just a better runner overall, he's he's playing behind what I thought was a worst a worse offensive line and put up like better numbers. Um, six point eight yards per carry, uh, seven point four six yards per running back opportunity. Twenty seven percent of his opportunities went for more than ten yards. Twelve uh, percent went for more than twenty. Um, I mean, just overall, like he he put up tremendous numbers and he didn't even start the entire season. Um, he wasn't the only thing really that stands out as bad, as bad about him is that, uh, PFF didn't like him very much relatively speaking, yeah. but like, I they're, they're probably disagree. digging him out for the fumbles because he did yeah. lose four of them. But I mean, he barely played in the first four games and then, yeah, he's tremendous. Um, and then he ran for over a hundred yards and eight of the last nine. Sorry, it yeah. took me a while to count. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's really really good. Um, if he if he gets you know he, he's also a guy that like as a freshman like he could develop into a receiver next year. Um, you know, and then they've got Ches Malusi, who I don't think we need to talk more about Ches Malusi. That's more than enough Ches Malusi for enough. one podcast. Um, but I've got him ranked below Donovan Edwards now. <laughs> but that's. A guy with 800 with almost 900 yards yards from scrimmage is still a very solid backup to have. 
Um, and they've recruited that position pretty well. So I don't know. You could you could re- you could argue between Michigan and Wisconsin, but I think Braylon Allen is like between him and and uh, and Blake Corum. I think I'd want him. And then like it's not like their backup is is a total total chump. So I, I, uh, I think um, more than enough Ches Malusi for one podcast is also a title possibility. <laughs> this is yes <laughs> yes. Uh, this like we're, we're going to put together an all um, debate team uh, for the next for like <laughs> the players this, we argue way too much over compared uh, to like t- how much. T- <laughs> Talia Tagovailoa um, for offensive line. I don't really know who we talked about. Marilyn probably again, just yeah. because we talked about them so much. And then Ches Malusi. Um, and and that that team is going to be uh, it's going to be unstoppable. I'm excited to find out who the receivers will be. <laughs> uh, circling back uh, to Braylon Allen, uh, it's not just raw production from him. Uh, in those last nine games, when he became the feature back, there was only one game where he averaged under five yards a carry. And that was in just an overall really horrible outing for Wisconsin against Minnesota. Uh, but I mean, he played against Iowa, cracked a hundred yards, uh, averaged almost 12 yards a carry against Purdue. Like there's um, he, I will admit he didn't exactly play a gauntlet of a schedule down the stretch, but um, it was hard to be much more impressive uh, at least yeah. in the running game. There was kind of a Jonathan Taylor, like uh, he's just not in the passing game uh, thing going for them. But, but but Jonathan Taylor like turned that on, I think, at the end of his career. So you know, and, and he's yeah, actually I a mean, good receiver. Like in the NFL, he's a good receiving back. They yeah. just for some reason liked having uh, a white guy out. The Garrett Gilbert or whatever, not Gilbert. Yeah, no, Garrett Groshek. Garrett Groshek. That's yeah. a deep cut. There we go. Oh yeah, we're back, baby. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. No, I mean Wisconsin like is. They, I think they've got the second best offensive line in the conference. Um, I think they've got the two, the second best running backs in the conference. Like this could, you know, unfortunately I was, I was hoping to be low on Wisconsin. Like we all know they're going to have a really good um, uh, defense. Like this could be a year that they pretty easily walk away with the West. Um, if, if, if that's all on the, on the shoulders of Graham Mertz, just not fucking and you know what? Up. <laughs> that's um, a, which, oh, good. You know? The best thing about that. We don't have to fucking play them for once. I'm so happy. About oh, that. thank God. Yeah. Yeah. Michigan State gets to go to to Madison this year, I believe. So uh, good luck. That's going to be great. Um, (laughs) That's delightful. Uh, so uh, fun's over um, as, as, as it has been in two of the three of these. Um, Ohio State is the number one. uh, I think kind of with a bullet here. Um, Trevion Henderson, I was hoping to like be less impressed with, um, but he's the only true, like complete back, I would say in the conference coming back, um, 1500 yards from scrimmage last year. Uh, he has almost as good receiving stats as Donovan Edwards and better rushing stats than, uh, Blake Corum. So like, yeah, I mean, he's just number one with a bullet, um, 10 yards per target on 29 targets. They didn't target him a lot. Uh, relative to the rest of the offense, just because, you know, I don't know if you guys know, but they had some pretty good receivers last year, <laughs> um, 11 yards per reception. So he was really good, you know, when he caught the ball, um, also had a catch rate of 93%, which is, uh, that's something that, that Donovan Edwards can't say he had he, Donovan Edwards actually didn't have a tremendous catch rate, but you know, like it's, it, he's, he's really good as receiver. Um, and then as a runner, he's tremendous. I mean, um, 6.8 yards per carry 6.3 yards per running back opportunity. Um, 
which I, is again, I don't almost... think we've mentioned touchdowns once this whole time, but the oh yeah, sorry. For, the dude ran for 15 touchdowns, 15 touchdowns. In 13 games. Yeah. I, I tend to like, I do tend to like discount touchdowns because for running backs, at least I think for receivers, it's more meaningful, but like for running backs, I do in the, think in it's that like, middle area. You know, sure. But I think when you get to the extreme, that's when, how, that's when you start getting into like, this guy just finishes off runs. How dare really you say wrestling. that Dan, a year after Hassan Haskins <laughs> set the Michigan record for touchdowns as a running back. How dare There's you? Also that, that's how fair. Dare you, Dan. <laughs> right. Of course. Um, yeah. 15, uh, to be fair, Blake Corman, the second most with 11, um, but whatever. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, very, very explosive runner, very consistent runner, um, put up the most production, did it on high volume. Um, you know, I mean, Ohio State played some good defenses uh, this year. So, yeah, I mean, I think that he's he's the only he's the only running back on this list that's elite in both phases. So um, I, I think he's number one here and also he's just a freshman. So, you know, fun. Um, <laughs> cool. Uh, the that, that uh, also goes to the next guy. Equally yeah, cool. the the second guy on this list is Mayan Williams, who I actually have as the uh, the fifth best running back in the conference. Um, so he would start for a lot of schools. He's by far the best backup in the conference. Um, he uh, he had seven point one five yards per carry, which is actually better than Trevion Henderson. Um, seven yards per running back opportunity. Uh, when he went when he got downfield uh 33% of the time um he had a run of 10 yards or more which is the best mark in the conference um and he's also an okay receiver uh nothing special but like not um not dead weight either and uh yeah so i mean like that's your second guy i think like if that was your first guy you'd be pretty happy um but I mean, you know, unfortunately, I was really hoping to find out that I wasn't impressed by Mayan Williams or Trevion Henderson. But like, even when you adjust for the offensive line, they're they're both really good. And um, I I I can't make an argument for them to be not the top team here. Um, but I know Connor is about you, to. Yeah. You ready for some blind trivia I, here, Dan? I'm actually about to cut Connor <laughs> off to, to do this because I think he'll appreciate it. Um, who do you think had the most? Uh, 100 yard games of the returning running backs between Michigan and Ohio State. Uh, I mean, is it? It's got to be Blake Corum because that you're making a point. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> four to three in favor of Blake Corum. Do you want to know uh, who Travion Henderson got his 100 yard running games against? Uh, I don't know. Is it is it unimpressive teams? Uh, Tulsa, Maryland, and once again coming up uh, in this conversation, Penn State, um, where Penn's, he also posted be, only five point four years. I mean, Penn, Penn State has a good defense. I love so that Penn State whatever. just like dug down. A, a, a good defense that just just kept being like, you know what, fuck it. Like, yeah, our they like really they us dug today. down against Michigan and just played out of their goddamn minds on defense, and they had to because their offense was horrible. But then they had some really awful games too, like just bad vibes that program. Now, now I will say this: it's it's unfair, really, to compare raw numbers um, in a lot of because while Travion Henderson did up end up with more carries than Blake Corum, uh, the distribution wasn't very level from game to game, uh, especially for a guy who was clearly their best running back. Um, Ohio State just didn't run the ball that much, and for their feature back to get 184 carries, that's not a ton, and. Um, I mean, that was only 40 more than Corum, and Corum was clearly Michigan's number two back. Uh, so, I mean, there were a lot of games where he didn't even hit 10 carries, and uh, I think I, I would expect that to change a little well, bit this year. in garbage uh, time, they, they, they relied a little bit too much on Master Teague. In garbage time, they had to get Quinn Ewers <laughs> some snaps because he's the quarterback of the future over there, I've heard. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, I, I do... <laughs> I do I get to do my slander now, guys? 
Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Go for well, it. first of all, Mayan Williams. <laughs> Dan, you sound so excited. <laughs> Mayan Williams, I call him Median Williams because he's so average. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard that one before. But uh... yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, okay, so actually, my serious take is this: like, I do understand. Um, I, I agree that like Travion Henderson probably should be like the number one guy on this list. Like, obviously, he's tremendously talented, and like Dan said, he can do it in both phases. And he made a lot of plays last year, including against Michigan. He made a big play in that game, um, despite them losing. I will say, like, I think he did not look very spectacular in the two big games that I watched him in, like against Michigan. Did not get the ball very much. Granted, did make one good play, but like, you know, like not did not like really pop me in that game. He he had two touchdowns in that game. He was effective in the recept in the receiving game. Like he he only got a couple of carries, but seventeen I, for seventy four yards. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, so, I'm, I'm not saying like he. Was, I'm just saying he wasn't a game breaker. Like this wasn't even. Close I'm not to saying that. that's great. Yeah, like it wasn't even <laughs> yeah. close to like Kenneth Walker the third, right? Which is unfair because he was the best running back in the country. Like et cetera, et cetera. And then against Utah, like the numbers. I mean, I remember watching that game. I wasn't super struck by him and the numbers were not amazing i think it was like 4.9 yards of carry against utah which was a really bad defense um so like all right fair enough like but like yes i I watched him play other games he's a very good player he was obviously a huge recruit like etc etc um the slander i want to do uh is more just like i i it's basically based around like there is no way that a lot of these numbers for Buckeyes running backs, like a lot of these numbers we know are empty calories just because like, even as I said, they don't run that much, but when they do run a lot of the times it is into a very light box. And I mean like a very, very light box for obvious reasons because their offense is sick and they have so many receiving threats and defenses just like give up on defending the run and are happy to tackle, you know, Trey Henderson after nine yards. Right. Like I think a lot, I mean, I think if you were to go back and watch all the film, the number of times he probably didn't get touched till he was like nine or 10 yards out was probably very, very high. And that isn't to say he's a bad running back. I I will say that like, um, I feel, I don't feel that they are that much ahead of Michigan in terms of their running back situation, partly because I do believe in Donovan Edwards and in Blake Corum. But like, I get that based on the methodology Dan was using, he kind of had to go this direction. Though I will say it is exceedingly clear to me he's in the pay of Big Nut, and uh, we should not trust him anymore. <laughs> um, but like, <laughs> I would say, look, I would say that if if my if Mayan Williams uh, like rushing numbers weren't so impressive in their efficiency, I I I would like. I would be doing some slander as well, but like these are, they have two really, really good options where again, like if Donovan Edwards rushing numbers were a little bit better, we'd ha- be having a different conversation. Um, and also when you he, watch these guys, you're just like, Oh damn, that's a five-star. Right yeah. Guy. They're good. Like they're yeah. not, I'm not going to say they're not good. I, I, I more just like, I kind of hate like that. We sort of default to like, yes, Ohio State is really talented guys. That should be the top ranked group. Like I, th- I do think running back and offensive line, and maybe tight ends are the areas where Michigan might have an argument for best room in the conference. And this morning I woke up and Dan and I argued for like an hour and a half about this in our chat, (laughs) which is the prelude to this. And like, I got most of my energy out there and I'm not actually mad at Dan or anything, but uh, I was definitely going full Homer. And like, after having this conversation about Donovan Edwards, I feel like the Homerism is not misplaced because I will say that like Michigan definitely has a very credible shot to have the best running backs for uh, backstream in the conference i think based on returning production you have to go with ohio state i agree with that yeah i mean look like i think it, it wouldn't shock me if anyone it wouldn't shock me if like anyone uh i, I mean honestly i would say like ohio state and michigan probably or ohio state michigan wisconsin like if any one of those have the most impressive running back room in the end of at the end of the year i'd be i would not be shocked i think that's like the top tier yeah. um probably ohio state I, I might even have ohio state in a tier of their own unfortunately but i think that's yeah. like 
those three would be my top three. Um, After that, like you start talking about like, you know, it definitely like a clear divide, but um, look, I had uh, clearly Connor Connor doesn't listen to the other pods we do. Cause I did have Michigan uh, as the top offensive line in their own tier. I heard um, that. And so. I was very happy with you, which is why I was so mad when I woke up this morning and saw all this <laughs> slander in our group chat. Of the Michigan yeah, well, back. Look, you're, you're going to have to wait until the defensive section to probably get some Ohio state slander. Cause I am going to assume that receivers, uh, if I, if I had to make a bet on who's number one, it's probably Ohio well, state. And hey, we yeah, have, yeah, we yeah, don't, know that yet all right (laughs) we gotta run the numbers first (laughs) yeah yeah oh i'll run them i'll run them but i think jackson smith and jigba is gonna have like 17 yards per target probably well well if we go by production lost oh yeah right of course like that returning production i think michigan wins by like a thousand miles but And then the room went silent. We <laughs> We're like, oh, State's we receiver. Not, uh... <laughs> uh, but here's the thing. It doesn't matter because we won. It's true. That's that. That, that is the truth. Um, all right. So now that we've gone through this, uh, the entire conference uh, and all their running backs rooms, uh, was there anything, uh, Dan, particularly for you, like in, in going through all this that surprised you kind of, uh, you know, it wasn't what you expected to, to come across? Um. Yeah, no, I mean, I think uh, I didn't expect Chase Brown to be as impressive as he was. Um, you know, I, 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 I probably if I had to do this again, I put him below Blake Corum if I wasn't, you know, trying not to be a homer. Um, I, I would say like for Michigan specifically, uh, disappointed in Blake Corum's receiving stats, which were really bad and disappointed in Donovan Edwards, like rushing, which I agree with Ace, though. He didn't really get in much of a didn't get in much of a um, a rhythm, but you would like to see him like a little bit better. Like his rushing stats were, were not very good. I also want to say, um, but, both you know, those, all that's both of those guys, like we're talking about seasons where they were injured for a significant stretch of the season. Both of them were so totally fair. Um, didn't expect to see uh, to see Northwestern this high. Evan Hull's a really good running back. And I think it would be cool if their offensive line ended up being as good as I think it is. And if they could maybe find a quarterback, you know, they, they might be cooking. But um, that's a enormous if. Um Iowa sucking as bad as they did is uh, is funny. <laughs> um, other than that, yeah, I mean, um, it was. I think it was cool to see like that the stats really did bear out. Like with with uh, guys like Jarek Broussard and Kevon Lee um, got like really good running backs that were stuck behind pretty poor offensive lines, and to be able to kind of derive that from stats is uh, is cool for me. Um, and uh, I think it's interesting to try to like. Um, evaluate them in a in a bubble outside of you know their their poor offensive lines. Um, so, but unfortunately, that does mean I, I don't think Jarek Broussard is uh, is Kenneth Walker, but um, he'll he'll probably be pretty good. Unfortunately, as long as he's not a Heisman finalist, I'll I'll take the downgrade. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, K- Kenneth Walker actually wasn't a Heisman finalist either. So, <laughs> oh right, <laughs> that's not even a downgrade. Both not Heisman finalists. <laughs> wow, accidental burn on my part. I forgot he got Dan started. and I got to the ballots uh, on time. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, they're still recounting. We're we're, we're demanding recounts. <laughs> all right. Other than uh, Michigan, obviously being having the ability to move up to other to number one, uh, are there any teams that we can see like? making large moves in either direction. I will get the like Illinois Northwestern may not be the fourth of his best rooms <laughs> in the big 10 uh, bit out of the way. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I'll say uh, Penn state has the most talent um, and Keevon Lee is pretty good. So if they can find a second guy, um, you know, and if they can just like learn to block literally anyone uh, they could move up. 
Uh, Minnesota, obviously, with Mo Ibrahim, could move up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably probably unfair to them to have them at at number eight. Um, I just you know we, you don't know necessarily what you know, you know what you're going to get. Yeah, exactly. I, I went engineer brain with that one. Um, and then yeah, I think I think Nebraska like they run a really like running they run a really good like diverse rushing offense. Um, now they're not going to win any games with that, but <laughs> they they could put up some good stats. And I think Jaquez Yant was like good on limited carries, and uh, Ramir Johnson's a good receiver. So like that's a good that's a good one two punch. And um, they should have decent quarterback play this year. Like, I don't know. They could move up as well. So that's that's pretty much the limits of where I'm willing to go. Um, it was unfortunate to see that Rutgers didn't have kind of like a nest, next guy up because I think their offensive line is going to be good, and it would be fun if Rutgers was like, you know, decent on offense, but does not appear that that's going to be the case. You say that right up until Michigan is like only up three on them in the third quarter, and we're like <laughs> all just losing. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I think it's the last. my last takeaway was just like, I think it's interesting that, you know, people tend to devalue running backs uh, in the NFL, at least, and like assume that if you just have a good offensive line, you'll have a good running game. But we saw with Wisconsin last year, like they had pretty much the same offensive line, but their running back changed in a major way when Braylon Allen, uh, you know, came in. And it's it's interesting to see like how much of a difference there really is between um you know, good running backs and bad running backs and how that can impact your offense. And I think like maybe if anything, you know, in the big 10, we've overrated the importance of offensive lines um, just a little bit, because I think like it, it still does matter that you have a talented running back back there. If uh, Kenneth Walker basically was on a one man mission last year to, to prove your point. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So that, that's pretty fair. Um, anything else from, from you guys before we uh, dip out? Nope. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, that answers my question. Um, that's it for this week's show. Uh, I am going on vacation, uh, or at least, uh, a staycation for a couple of weeks and then hopefully an actual vacation for a week after that. Um, so, uh, we won't be podcasting for the next uh, few weeks, but there will still be content, uh, over on the bucket problem. Um, Dan and Connor are, are both writing. And now that I've said that on air, they are, they are you know, bound to doing so. <laughs> Um, Dan continuing his, uh, position preview stuff, uh, in written form and Connor, uh, waxing poetic, I believe. Uh, I'm going to explain, uh, uh, like two days after Dan posts, I'm going to explain why he's wrong about all of it. Uh, that's what we're going to do. Oh, perfect. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to do kind of like a point counterpoint type situation. Um, that's going to be awesome. Even, even long long form, even worse. Actually, I plan to write about like the concept of catharsis applied to sports fans. I'm going to quote from Aristotle. So just strap in for that, guys. Um, it's gonna be fun. Though. It's gonna be some extremely Michigan man. Oh, very. I, I think I think I'd I think uh, Connor, I'd rather have you call me an idiot uh, about my position. <laughs> well, I'll be doing that too. So if don't I get worry. To choose. <laughs> okay. All right, and we will also have uh, Patrick Bayhorn uh, from the outside zone flipping the field. Um, oh, you know, huge Ohio State fan, uh, and he'll be previewing, taking a look at uh, Michigan's non-conference opponents since. Uh, knowing everything about every college football team is uh, kind of his thing. And uh, Taylor Fulton uh, from uh, Michigan Twitter uh, will also be uh, writing something for the site while I'm gone. So uh, it'll probably be better uh, in the month of May, if anything. Uh, Please follow at Bucket Problem on Twitter. Uh, Go to www.thebucketproblem.com and subscribe to the newsletter and the bonus podcast. Rate, review, and subscribe to this year free pod and use the promo code BucketProb at homefieldapparel.com and the promo code BucketProb on PointsBet. Thank you for listening and uh, have a great month. <laughs>